The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We have a ton to cover today on our weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today, an absolute truckload. And so I want to try to minimize the distractions. He said confidently, knowing he was not going to minimize the distractions. Good morning, everyone. A very happy Friday to you all. This is the Friday and weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. We cycle back around over to Monday for our next show. We go Monday through Friday every week. I am your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, if you want to give me a follow over on social media. And this is, of course, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Or, and you guys do need to be doing this, I try to remind you sort of vociferously once a week, to follow at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. At Hoopball Fantasy. That is our blurb feed. It is the news source. That's where I get a lot of my news, honestly. And I've said this before. You know, I follow some seven or eight hundred NBAers, beat writers, things of that nature. But if I walk away from my computer for even 20 minutes, the thing I check is Hoopball Fantasy to see if I missed any news while I was gone. That is what takes all of the breaking stuff, all of the breaking news, and pulls it into a fantasy feed, quick fantasy interpretation. So that is at Hoopball Fantasy. Definitely go give them a follow. And of course, this is my opportunity here at the front end of our big Friday show to pitch you guys on becoming premium members at hoop-ball.com. Go to the website, hoop-ball.com. It's hoop and then a the, the symbol dash, not the word, hoop-ball.com. And check out any of our four premium memberships there is the dfs pass for just one dollar and 99 cents a month yes you heard that right two dollars a month gets you our dfs delivery article it's game by game breakdown and player pricing tier rankings as well as dfs discord access which has uh late ads uh, or sorry i guess we should i'm not a big dfs guy so i get the lingo wrong sometimes but they give you starting lineups as those are released late injury news is out there and you can hit up our dfs pros all day long with questions about your roster. It's an unbelievable value for $2 a month. Also, the Fantasy Pass, which probably makes the most sense for a lot of you guys listening to this podcast, that is our full-season fantasy product. It also has Discord access, where we've moved my tweet storms this year with the great Adam King. We're tag-teaming those bad boys. It's got live chats with the pros every day, official threads for that. In addition to the official stuff, there's gen- general discussions, sit, start, add, drop, trade advice, dynasty, stream, streaming, team rating. All of that's in Discord. In addition with the Fantasy Pass, you get rest of season projections, eight and nine category, depth charts, streaming grids, scheduling grids. It's got all that good stuff for $4.99 a month. And if you're a betting folk, such as, which you know I am, the Wager Pass is $9.99 a month that has... Uh, plays from all seven of our handicappers every single day, all year long, not just NBA, every sport, NBA, football, college sports, baseball, soccer, hockey, whatever you've got, it's in there for $10 a month. Most handicappers sell one play for 25 bucks. You get seven handicappers plays every day for a month for $9.99. And if you want all that stuff together, the Hoopball 360 is $12.99 a month. Go check all that out at hoop-ball.com. We need you. We want you. This is how we keep growing, so please do check that stuff out. And let's now start a podcast. This is Friday's show, which means we go through a week in review. And I, I hope you guys have enjoyed the way we've broken this thing down the last couple of Fridays. That's generally the format here. Ads, drops, holds, watch lists, streams, buy lows, sell highs, everything that jumped out at me from this whole week, which of course was missing a few teams because the Suns didn't play all week, the Celtics didn't play all week, the Wizards haven't played all week, teams that were supposed to play them didn't play all week, like the Magic, I think they've been off since Monday also, but we'll go through, we'll hit up everybody that played this week, that'll get you situated, Reset your team for the weekend. Then, of course, we have our look ahead Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll check out every team's next ball game. We'll also handicap our Friday card, what to watch for from a fantasy standpoint, and everybody's next uh, action, all 30 teams. 
and that'll get us ready for Monday. So a lot on the docket. Let's start at the top of the board with ads of the week. Ad number one, and this is one that stuck it right in my eye, P.J. Washington, who I had called a drop a week and a half ago, and then Charlotte promptly said, you know what, we really are going to give you center minutes. He is distinctly not that. Uh, 100% jumped the gun on my end. I was reading what it looked like they were doing, which was playing Bismack Biombo way too much. And even on the podcast, I was saying, I don't know why this is happening, but it was happening. And it happened for like a week straight where Bismack was just seeing big minutes. PJ was stuck at power forward and his numbers were crummy. And then they were like, you know, let's do this thing. We said we were going to play him at center in the preseason. We haven't really tried it. And it's been great for his fantasy value. So um, that one, mea culpa, I jumped the gun. Bobby Portis is still an ad somehow from this week gone by. I don't really know how he's being, how he's pulling it off. But he's number 71 in 24 minutes a game. And from his career numbers, we know 24 minutes is not enough for him to have sustained fantasy value. He's able to do it right now on 80% foul shooting and more importantly, 56% from the field. That's a number that is absolutely coming down. So understand that as that number drops down near 50 or even potentially ticks a tiny bit below, depending on how close he gets to his career mark, he won't be in the top 100 anymore. But for now, as long as he's trucking hot, you might as well truck along with him. DeAndre Jordan, and by the way, this isn't in any particular order. This is me, you know, I was filing through all of the teams in the league and this is how the list gets put together. DeAndre Jordan is very much an ad. I Again, I'm slightly higher on him than uh, some other fantasy analysts, mostly because right now there's no other option. Now, the minute that Brooklyn brings in Dwayne Dedman, or I don't know who the hell they're pulling off the waiver wire to soak up 20 minutes of center minutes, and DeAndre Jordan doesn't have this guaranteed, you know, 24-25 minute floor, then the wheels come off. And they'll come off quick, too. But for right now, there isn't that backup option. And DeAndre Jordan playing some 20-odd, my guess would be he's going to be in the 28-minute range with this new iteration of the super team, then he needs to be on a fantasy team because the dude's going to shoot some crazy, not like his career mark is 67% from the field. And that, you know, lob city days, he was at 71, 73% in those days. He's not that athletic anymore, but he's at 79% so far this year. And in playing alongside KD, Kyrie, and Harden, you think that dude's taking any shots that aren't going in? Not really. Like, he, this is, he'll go weeks where he doesn't miss a shot. In fact, DeAndre Jordan hasn't missed a shot since January 7th right now. So he's literally gone more than a week, and he's 8 for 8 since then. And the last game, he played 28 minutes. And his game log is all you really need to look at. That's all you really need to know for reasons why DeAndre Jordan belongs on your fantasy team. Just look at his game log. Two times this year, he's cleared 25 minutes in a basketball game. First of those games... uh, was against Memphis back on December the 28th. It was the we need you because Jonas Valanciunas is on the other side. He had four points. Delightful, I know. Nine rebounds, five assists, and four block shots on two for two from the field. And the other time he played more than 25 minutes was this most recent game when Jared Allen was gone. He went four for four from the field. Nine points, 12 boards, two assists, two blocks. By the way, he'll get assists too because anybody he's passing it to now is going to be an all-world NBA scorer. It's what I call the accidental assist where it's like, oh, DeAndre Jordan got an offensive rebound and just gave it to someone and they scored. That's it. That's how assists are going to be coming for him. He will fall into a block 1.3, probably 1.3, 1.4 blocks in almost 30 minutes a game. That's just from being a seven-foot giant human. And by the way, a lot of people are talking about how he's very much on the tail end of his career. You guys should know, DeAndre Jordan's still only 32. That surprised me too, by the way. It feels like he's been in the NBA a lot longer than that, and he has, uh, but he, he, you know, he got into the NBA when he was like 19 years old, I think. The Clippers back in 2008, so yeah, something around that. He'd been around for a dozen years, but yeah, he's on the back end of his prime, but he's not... 36, you know, he's not a dinosaur yet. He's just very much a slower, 
lower leaper than he used to be. He's not going to block two and a half shots a game. But, you know, take, let's take his Dallas year as an interesting kind of barometer of what we can look for this season. And that, by the way, was on a team that wasn't able to get him open quite as often. I know Luca was just getting started at that point, but that wasn't a team that was gunning for anything. So he was sort of in campout mode, and it still went pretty damn well for him. He had 11 points, 14 rebounds, .7 steals, and 1.1 blocks with the Mavericks two years ago. Uh, the 18-19 season, he played 50 games there before getting traded to New York. And even in New York, in 26 minutes a game, he was at 11-11. and 11. So this is a guy who I, I think we've sort of prematurely retired. But again, he's only 32. He had lost minutes because Jared Allen is better. Last year, they split minutes because the Nets weren't really trying last year. And this year, he's at 4.5 points, 7 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, and only 18 minutes a game. I don't know that that 1.3 actually changes very much on the block front, because he's just going to camp out. That'll Unfortunately, that means there's going to be some zeros and ones blended in here. But as long as they don't bring somebody else in, DeAndre Jordan is a guaranteed double-digit rebound guy, and a guaranteed 64 or higher percent from the field, probably higher, given how few shots he actually is going to have to take this season. So, yes, very much an ad for me. And then, you know, recalibrate if they bring someone else in. Simple enough, right? Nothing set in stone. But, I mean, this could be weeks. It could be months. I don't know. I mean, what if they're just winning a ton of ball games? There's no rush at that point. You could wait out the, uh, the waiver market, the, the released players. Why go get Dwayne Dedman if you think someone else is going to get dumped? Eric Gordon is an ad, but he was likely owned in your league anyway, so I don't want to spend a ton of time there. He's just going to get a nice boost in Houston with Harden gone, and uh, the extra touches can punch down on all the stuff that he does poorly. And there's plenty, by the way. Eric Gordon is number 93 right now, in, taking 11 shots a game. His 90% foul shooting is not going to hold. The one steal a game probably won't hold. The one block a game almost definitely won't hold. Although he does, he does sort of luck his way into some part of a block. Uh, but 43% shooting, I mean, that could go down. And that's the problem with Eric Gordon is that that type of stuff always levels off. And when, you're, when your usage wasn't high enough, it doesn't cover up for that. Now, if he's suddenly taking 13, 14 shots a night, and you can get him into that 17, 18 points range or three three-pointers or whatever it happens to be, that can counterbalance what's probably going to be a pretty medium volume, like 42% from the field. So very much an ad. He should be inside the top 100. I'm going to put Patrick Beverly on my list of ads. He's been playing really well lately for the Clippers. And, and of course, the one thing you watch out for with Bev is that he almost always plays himself into an injury. It might have happened already. I think he's questionable for their next ball game. But lately, after a very slow start to the year, Bev has looked pretty damn good. Which, you know, it's, it's all relative, I suppose, because he's never going to be a high-usage guy. But he had 10 points, 6 boards, 2 steals, 2 blocks. He actually has... What's the number at now? I think he's 8 blocks in his last 5 games, which is pretty impressive for a guard. Only 5 steals, oddly enough, over that stretch. So he's out blocking his steal number. He, he'll hit some 3s. That's pretty much all he takes at this point, because he's horrendous around the rim. But he's playing 27 minutes a game, and the fear for me, at least coming into this season, why I dodged him, was that between Lou Williams and Reggie Jackson, I figured, you know, Beverly wasn't going to get his 28 to 30 minutes a game, what you kind of need when you're a lower usage, out of position stats kind of guy. And that's what he became by the end of last year. He just, he wasn't doing enough. This season seems to be trending up. Played a ton of minutes in that last game. I know Lou Williams left partway, so that was... Uh, played a role in it but when Patrick Beverly is healthy he gets you a bunch of steals and a bunch of blocks and a bunch of rebounds from the point guard spot which is pretty sweet and he's hitting two threes a game this year I'd say he's unsustainably high three-point percentage but he has had some stretches where he's been around 40 percent so maybe that does come down a little bit still I like the aggression we're seeing so far he's taking more shots this year than the last couple which is surprising, given you know the Clippers' current makeup. 
But yeah, that one steal, one block, almost two three pointers a game kind of thing is is pretty neat in nine category leagues. So Patrick Beverly is on my ad list right now. I don't know that he's a must start guy, but he's damn close. And then someone I saw dropped a lot in my leagues this week was the Time Lord, Robert Williams, who, you know, if you're like me and you were targeting Nerland's Noel, I, I guess I got lucky that I he got so hyped coming out of training camp that other people in leagues ended up getting him before I could reach for him. Like, I was already planning on reaching for uh, for Nerlens, and I didn't reach far enough, and I got lucky because he's been awful. But if you wanted Nerlens Noel, and either you got him and he's sucking or you just didn't get him, the Time Lord is your, your Spider-Man meme replacement. Robert Williams right now is playing just 16 minutes a game for Boston, but he's number 67 in nine category leagues because he's shooting 77% from the field. He's averaging seven, six and a half, a steal and one and a half blocks per game. Again, in 16 minutes, if that number trends up at all, he destroys fantasy value. Now, do I think it will? The answer is Probably not. Boston is not a team that's in any kind of rebuild mode, and they brought in Tristan Thompson to make sure that they had the center position on lockdown. So it's actually conceivable that his 16 minutes even trend the wrong direction. But if you're in nine-cat roto leagues like I am, you know Tristan Thompson is resting back-to-backs already. That's been basically put out there by the team. He's just going to sit him out. They've had games canceled now for the better part of nine days. Celtics haven't played since, or Robert Williams at least hasn't played in nine days. I think the team did have one more before they had to pull the plug on on all Boston operations. These games that they're losing, that the Celtics have had postponed, are going to get rescheduled in a condensed second half. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Tristan Thompson's rest days probably just got bigger. So Robert Williams is the kind of guy where if you just wait around for the inevitable Tristan Thompson day off and plug-and-play Robert Williams in there, look at their, look at the back-to-backs he's played on. And he had pretty good minutes, actually, on the 27th, and that wasn't even a back-to-back. But the two games, the December 30th, Tristan Thompson sat that one out, and January 4th, Tristan Thompson sat that one out. Robert Williams was at 23 minutes in the first one, 6 points, 10 boards, a steal, 4 blocks. The second one... Played 20 minutes, 11 points, 15 rebounds, a steal, and two blocks. He's easy inside the top 40 in a little over 20 minutes a game. I mean, you could plug and play there. You could get 15 games out of him if that's what you wanted, and it would be worth it. So I, don't, I know people were like, Boston's not playing again for a while. I got to dump this guy because where could he go? Um, the answer is I think his outlook actually got better because the TT rest days increased in volume, and if he can be serviceable in the other ones, you could actually make a case for having him in a head-to-head league also. So that one surprised me. I was a little surprised that people ran out of patience with him so fast. If you don't need blocks, mm, you know, I guess, whatever, but don't most of us kind of need blocks? It's a pretty... It's a pretty sweet category. Anywho, on to the next one. Drops. Drops. In no particular order again. Bismack Biombo, A drop. No longer seeing 30-plus minutes as a starter. No need for him. Ricky Rubio, who was already struggling. And I listen, I've been getting crushed on here for calling him a drop, even though he really hasn't been good. But for two games out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11... He's had 11 games, and he's been good, I think, in two of them, and okay in two others, and then pretty damn bad in seven. He's number 150 in 24 and a half minutes a game, and I don't know that that's moving all that much. Maybe, maybe it gets as high as, like, 110, 120. And now he's out for COVID protocols, because from what I'm seeing here, he and Wancho Hernan Gomez are both out for the Grizzlies. Uh, I don't know if... Does that mean Wancho tested positive and Rubio maybe has the locker over or they, you know, they had, they scrimmaged together or something weird. 
NBA might want to consider if this is really an internal thing where one of those guys did test positive and other people on the team had exposures, they'd, they might want to consider about canceling some Wolves games. Or maybe it was something else. I don't know. Maybe Wancho had a test, a positive test in his personal life, and then Rubio was exposed to Wancho, but it wasn't early enough, like they caught it early enough where other players didn't have that contact. We just don't know. But this is already a guy who was hovering near top 150, and now he's going to miss a week. So I don't, I don't see a reason to hang on to him, at least for this week. And I don't think anybody's picking him up if you drop him this week because he ain't playing until when the hell do they have a game. I think Atlanta, January 22nd, is probably the first game he could play. So that would be three missed, maybe four, from a guy who already wasn't putting up any numbers. So, no. Uh, who the hell did I do? We I'm doing this out of order for some dumb reason. Uh, Norman Powell is a drop for me. They're trying to shoehorn him into minutes and opportunity, and it's just not working. So he's out. I think we we need to use our roster slots wisely, and you know at least Ricky Rubio has a little bit of upside. These other guys, it's it's pretty limited. With Powell, the upside was get some volume because good percentages he could carry you that way but none of that stuff is taking place josh jackson is a drop in detroit if you hadn't already i thought they were going to give him some minutes when he came back from his ankle thing but it it seems like they've kind of moved in a different direction there lou williams was a drop basically from day one never should have been drafted Ivica zubats is a drop he has indeed now lost the center minutes to serge ibaka that that fight appears to be for the moment at least over nerlis noel is a drop Sorry, guys. He needs his 18 minutes. He's only getting like 14 and a half. And he looks lost beyond lost beyond lost. The one case I could make for hanging on to Noel is, for one, like if you're in a deeper league, you don't drop these guys. We're talking about 12-teamers right now. The one case you could make for Nerlens Noel as a hold is he really does look totally lost and out of place. So it makes you wonder, you know, does, is, is there something going on with the schemes that he's trying to figure out right now and he he's not... He's not getting it. Is he playing a little bit hurt? Is that a possibility? So there's these little things that maybe they start to tip in the right direction. But, you know, our job here is to analyze the data in front of us. And what we know is that Tom Thibodeau will overload his guys. He'll give them as many minutes as he thinks their bodies can handle, and then he'll give them two more than that. And that's what's happening with Mitchell Robinson right now. So unless he gets hurt, I don't know that Noel gets more than 15, 16 minutes a night. And he looks super uncomfortable in those minutes anyway. I think you can safely move on now. Here's one that's a little bit sad to say. I think Lou Dort is a drop. He's now number 170. He's been trending the wrong direction as a very hot shooting start has now settled back. He's at 46% from the field. He was at like 51 or something after those first few games. Steals and blocks are not there. It's exactly what we've talked about over the last two weeks, which is he got a couple of steals and a couple of blocks right out of the shoot. I think he had four steals and a block in his first two games this year. And it was like, oh, okay, maybe. But the one thing we've been talking about, basically since that game against Orlando, where he didn't have either a steal or a block, did still hit three three-pointers, is, is this a guy that's just so good defensively, defensively, that he doesn't need to get steals. that, And he's not going to get a ton of blocks because he's not super tall. He's mostly dealing with perimeter guys anyway. And it seems like that's what's happening. Where he's just a guy who... And like last year, in 23 minutes a game, he did average one steal. But we didn't really know. It, you know, if he played more minutes, was he going to see more steals? Was it because he was in a lot of garbage time? He saw more activity, of course in the playoffs last year, and then he had a block a game, but didn't have any steals. So there really wasn't the data points to say, hey, this is a guy who gets defensive stats. All we can say is this is a very good defensive player, and I think we now know he doesn't really. So he's a drop. For the Pelicans, you can probably put a hold on this. Josh Hart, J.J. Redick were drops before Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball got hurt, so you can probably hang on to at least Hart maybe both for now, we'll call them future drops. The future drops of America. And Miles Bridges, I only put him on there because now I'm just now I'm just trolling you guys because you guys know I'm, I'm super far out on Miles Bridges. He's been good enough to stick around in 14-teamers 
without question, he's been just shy of good enough to stick around in 12-teamers. And, of course, with Bridges, you know, you just you have to catch him on the right weeks. Mikhail Bridges is still number 41, although he, too, has cooled off a little bit. Uh, but, you know, Miles at 46%, he's come back down where we thought he would be after a hot start to the year. The three-pointers have come back down to one and a half a game after a super hot start to the year. The rebounds are back down at five and a half after he was at like eight for a week or two. All of those wild things we saw the first week and a half of the season, they're over. The 20 and 16 game he put up is a distant memory. And the only chance he has to float his value is to keep the steals and blocks higher. And he has so far this year, but those are trending down also. So I think you can move on in standard leagues from Miles Bridges. I really do. You guys may hate me for this, and, and I'm okay with that. Here's some holds. I want you guys to hold on to these guys. Hold list. Boogie. Because he can do it in 20 minutes. If he doesn't get ejected, in 20 minutes he can be useful, and I think they are very slowly. He gets a little bit more every game. He's so, so far out of shape. Just hasn't played basketball in forever. It's not his fault. Shots aren't dropping. I mean, what's Boogie shooting so far this year? Let me do a quick check on that while we're doing the podcast. What's the field goal percent at? 34? <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, in 14 minutes a game right now, here's the numbers for Boogie. In 14 minutes a game, he's at eight, uh, 7.6 boards, basically a steal block and a three-pointer, and 1.6 assists with two ejections blended in there. So there hasn't really been a whole lot of stuff to work with uh, on our end. He can rack up fantasy stats like very few players in the NBA today. And just look at his last two games, if you want. And, and like, this isn't going to blow anybody's roof off. But in his last two games, while still not shooting the ball well, he's 7 for 17 over those two games, which comes out to something like... 40%. You can do that math in my head. 7 for 17. You guys can do that math at home. So even that, I mean, this is, he's a 46%er over his career. So even if there's a slight downtick, we're not, he's not staying at 34%. By the way, 7 out of 17 is 41%. So 34%, that's on the way up. It's coming. That'll come up into the 40s. 18 minutes, it seems like they want to get him at least closer to 18 right now. And in 18 minutes a game, I see no reason why he couldn't average at least seven rebounds, given his current pace. You know, yeah, he's, he's averaged in the 12 range when playing normal starters minutes. So anyway, he's a hold. I mean, this is, this is all upside chasing at this point. Robert Covington is a hold. The Yusuf Nurkic news making that an even more solidified hold. And I'll admit, like, it's been, it's been a, a complex start to the year. For Rocco, he has not been nearly as good as we're accustomed to. He's number 129 right now, but he's also shooting 33%. Even if you don't adjust anything else, if you take his 33% on 6.8 shots, and he's, you know, that has him at 6.8 points per game, and adjust that up to about 41 or so, you're talking about adding almost 25% to his scoring categories. It's not quite that high, but, you know, 41 over 30, it's a 24% bump. So, you know, put that on his 1.7 three-pointers, that becomes 2.1 three-pointers. Put that on his about seven points per game, that becomes about 8.5 to 9 points per game. So get him at 8.5 to 9 points, 2.1 threes, and leave everything else the same and adjust the field goal percent up to 41, you've got a guy who's very much inside the top 100. I think that puts him in like the 80-85 range. And if a steal or a block starts to come around a little bit, then rocket boosters up the board. He'll probably see more power forward time with Nurkic out. I think they'll be going smaller at times. They'll have to move some other guys up the board. You know, you might see some Rocco at center stuff. You might see some Carmelo Anthony might have to play some center for this team because it can't be Ennis Cantor the entire time. That said, um, I probably should have put Ennis Cantor on the ad list just to see how it shakes out because if he does get 24, 25 minutes, that would be enough. So let's go back. We'll put Cantor on the ad list. Although, you know, I'm not 
super excited about it, but you, you kind of have to. James Wiseman is on the hold list. I know it's been a bumpy ride there, which is exactly what you should expect with a rookie. He's number 181, but he's going to get to do more as the season goes on. He's shooting 59% at the free throw line right now. I think you probably see his minutes slowly trend up. And all of that, like, first day stuff where the Wiseman truthers were uh, in, in giant celebration mode was maybe a hair too early. But this is the thing. Like, we all knew it was going to be up and down. But he's not a drop because this, he's truly an enormous human being. The only way you drop him is if he was just tanking your team. And I think in that case, you can just put him on your bench. But, like, he's getting stuff. He's doing some stuff. In a head-to-head league, he's hurting a little more than he's helping in things right now. But, you know, the 1.6 blocks are solid. Field goal percent's going to come up for him as he adjusts to the NBA. So he's a hold for me. I have Will Barton on my hold list as well. He's actually been playing better lately, and a lot of folks are like, well, it's because Michael Porter Jr. is gone. Yeah, a little bit of it is that, but some of it is that his numbers are just starting to come back to the career norms. He, he started the year very cold from the field, and so all of his numbers were kind of artificially depressed by that. His free throw percent is down right now. I like the defensive stats. The assists are a little bit down right now. I think you're seeing a guy kind of playing himself into game shape, and I would hang on. He's number 108 on the season, is Barton, and he's been better than that lately. And he did this last year, too, I think. Got up to a little bit of a slow start and then kind of came around. He's number 70 over the last two weeks. By the way, just shooting 42% over those last two weeks, but some of the other stuff starting to come around a little. A little bit more volume. Steals and blocks are solid. Two three-pointers. Anyway, he's a hold. George Hill is a hold. He's a boring hold. I'll give you that. He remains a very boring fantasy player. He's number 90 in 9-cat roto. Low turnovers does play a part in that, but he's getting a steal, 3.5 assists, 1.5 three-pointers. He's doing it on good percentages. Win percentages, people. He's available in one of my leagues. Surprising, actually. He's too good. He's been playing too well this season to be available in standard... 12-team, nine-category leagues. I don't... He he shouldn't be. He should be... He should be somewhere. I mean, the 51% from the field and 90% at the foul line is too good to leave on the wire. You don't have to do much else if you're putting up those percentages on any kind of volume. Not that his is high, but it's not tiny. Boyan Bogdanovich also on my hold list. He's been horrific so far this year. Uh, but... And I've watched him a little bit. He's number 260... At a pretty good volume, 37% from the field. I mean, he really has been awful, but that number's coming up. He's he's not a 37% shooter ever. He's 46 for his career. He's been better than that when healthy lately. Very good free throw shooter. Even that number is down. He's not going to get you steals or blocks. Not going to get to the many rebounds either. But listen, this dude was at 20 points a game last year. His minutes are a little bit down. Some of that is conditioning as well. If you just pull all of his stuff up to 45% and maybe add one more shot as he settles back in, he's inside the top 100. That's where he'll be. Probably going to start getting dropped in places. And if he does, you pick him up. And if he doesn't, you go try to trade for him with somebody clunky after his next not-great game. But look, you know, after a bunch of really bad games, he's actually been pretty good two of his last three. So it's starting to come around a little bit. It's beginning. It's not there yet, but it's beginning to show signs. They had a game postponed at the end of their crazy long road trip in Washington. We could have had a... That probably would have been a good one. Washington doesn't guard anybody. Watch list, guys. Uh, Jermichael Green is on my watch list. He's played well. I think more of that is Michael Porter Jr. related than the Will Barton stuff because uh, Jermichael Green sees his minutes split between center and power forward. And Michael Porter Jr. is going to see a lot of power forward minutes. And when he does, it's going to be a sort of will he, won't he with Jamichael and Paul Millsap. Uh, Millsap always ends up getting hurt. In that case, I think Green becomes an ad. But for now, just keep an eye on him. I'm keeping an eye on Willie Cauley-Stein just in case he can hang on to a role even after Kleba and Powell come back. But I am not confident. That's why he's on the want list and not on an ad list. Delon Wright is on the watch list. He's been seeing a lot of playing time with Derrick Rose and Killian Hayes out. I think that playing time probably goes into the tank when Rose comes back, but this is a reason to watch. 
Hamadou Diallo is on my watch list, who, I mean, he's been pretty damn good lately. Um, not great. He's number 138 on the year. He had a stretch of three or four games where he was very good. He's number 95 over the last two weeks while shooting an unsustainable 63% from the field. And that's the thing that jumps out at you because he's not a great foul shooter. He doesn't hit the three ball. You'd like to see more defensive stats out of someone that athletic. And maybe they show up. I don't know. He did have a four-steal game last week. He is going to be one of those guys that pops on and off of rosters constantly. <laughs> constantly. Um, but keep an eye on him. You know, they've got uh, the Bulls coming up tonight, Friday evening, and let's see if he can keep it going. His free throw percent's actually been very good over the last two weeks after still trying to kind of figure out who he truly is. His role probably grows as this season goes on. You know, if, if the Thunder, say, trade George Hill, his role probably grows. That might be the only path. Otherwise, that team is real young. It's kind of a wing. If they trade George Hill, they'd probably just go a little bigger. Shea would be point, and then they'd run a potentially a Diallo, Dort, Baisley wing contingent. Yikes. <laughs> uh, might need some shooting in there. And then Horford trying to keep the train from blasting off the tracks. Good luck to you, Al. Anyway, Diallo's on my watch list right now. I don't know that he has to be owned yet. But you could make an argument for it. You could make an argument for it. Especially, you know, like if you're in a head-to-head league where, you know, you're you're just you're getting some stats out of a dude regularly. And you're hoping that he just continues a slight upward trend line over the course of the year. You can make a really good case for that. Very good case could be made to add him right now in head-to-head. So he's watch list, but he's also a little closer. Uh, Mark Gasol is on my watch list. He's been kind of oddly decent lately. I know he doesn't score at all, which makes it almost impossible for him to get over the hump in any type of league format. But his steals and blocks have been... Incredibly, he's four steals, six blocks over his last two games. He has four steals and ten blocks over his last four games, and he gets some assists out of the center position. He's at two point two assists, five point two rebounds. His minutes have been trending up over the course of the year, and it looks like they want to keep him in that twenty-four minute range, which is pretty good if you are lacking in defensive stats. And he does enough in rebounding and assisting and very low turnovers to not kill you. The only thing that kills you in his points, you know, because he's hitting half a three-pointer a game, which, like, you can deal with that out of your center position. But the 4.4 points per game is brutal. That you need, you need some serious heavy lifters to make up for that. And let, looks, let's be frank here as well. 2.7 defensive stats in 24 minutes a game is also not going to stick for Marcus Gasol. I know he's been a very good blocks guy throughout his career and there were stretches where he was a heck of a steals guy too. He averaged about a steal a game during his prime but it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, Last year where were we last year? Last year he was at .8 steals per game in 26 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2.1 combined defensive stats right now. That that feels tough to stick at in the low minute total. So he's on my watch list right now, but he's close. And if you're punting points, you're in real good shape. And finally, DeAnthony Melton, who you could also make an argument for the ad list in terms of kind of head-to-head, where, again, maybe you grow into a bigger role. He's on my watch list right now because we know he has a really nice fantasy ceiling that he hasn't gotten to yet. He's 121 in 21 minutes a game. The one block in 21 minutes, probably not sustainable. But in 25 minutes, the points, the rebounds, the assists, that stuff presumably would all trend upward and could push him inside the top 100. That, I think, is probably the goal there, especially with, again, no jaw, no JJJ during most of his time on the floor so far this year. And I want to do the last one somewhat quicker because we do have a weekend to preview. Streamers right now, Precious Achua with the whole team out in Miami for another game. Danny Green, Shake Milton with Seth Curry out, Lonnie Walker the fourth. That's a long streamer with uh, Derek White out for about another month probably. And Justin Holiday is your long streamer in Indiana while Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren 
remain out. So those are your streaming options right now. I have a sell high recommendation this week, and his name is Drew Holiday, who I like. And, and the reason I'm a little bit reticent about this is that he's at number 24, which isn't that far off from where he was drafted, probably picked up in that 30 to 35 range. But his minutes are about four lower this season than last year. He's shooting 84% at the free throw line and 49% from the field. One of those two is probably going to come down a little bit. Field goal percent could really just be higher with Milwaukee this year. But the thing I really want to look at, 2.9, the combined defensive stats for Drew Holiday this year. We know he is outstanding defensively, has been throughout his entire career. Uh, 2.9 is not sustainable. He's never been above 2.4 during any regular season in his uh, excuse me, uh, bu- 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 make sure I get these numbers right. He has never been above 2.4. Yeah, that was right. Good for me. Good for you, Dano. He was a 2.4 each of the last two years in New Orleans in more minutes per game. So you take away 10 to 15% of what he's doing. That 2.4 likely settles more into the 2 to 2.1 range. 2.9 to 2.1, that's enough to knock him down a full round or more. Question is, do you think other people in your league value him as highly as they should? And my guess is they probably don't. So that makes him kind of a tough sell high. But right now, you're getting all you could ask for out of Holiday. And I think you want to try to get someone else in that same range who maybe isn't wildly overperforming in a stat that people aren't paying super close attention to. All right, that's your weekend review. Let's turn and focus our attention now on the weekend upcoming. It is a, an eight-game Friday card, and we'll break this thing down. I want to do the gambling segment here first. That, of course, is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. Please do sign up for an account if you haven't already. I know many of you have been thinking about it. You don't even have to make a deposit when you make that initial account open. Just open one up, browse the website, and hit me up. Send me a note on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S-A. Dan, I open up a MyBookie account, and I'll help guide you through it. I might even have a prize for you, as I've mentioned on the show. I think we have, like, two left this week. Gave away a few earlier in the week. We've got a couple left. So open up a MyBookie account with promo code HOOPBALL. That part is very important if you want to be able to get any kind of prize from me. Again, I say, MyBookie.ag, promo code Hoop ball, check them out now and make sure you don't miss their next gigantic promo going on. I cannot stress enough how amazing it was to win $115 in an NFL Survivor contest that I didn't even have to pay to enter. Won $115 for nothing. I've already promised my toddler we're going to get a second controller for the Nintendo Switch, and I got it for free. Because I won a survivor pool with like 400 other people. Who cares how many other people? I mean, I care. It would have been more money if fewer people won, but whatever. 115 bucks for doing nothing. MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. All one word, HOOPBALL. No dash in the promo code. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and then hit me up on Twitter. Let me know you did so. I can give you a pat on the back and maybe some more. Boston, playing Orlando, favored by three. We still don't really know who's coming back for the Celtics. A number of their guys are eligible to return in this ballgame, but I don't know if they will, so keep an eye on that. If everybody's coming back for the Celtics, I would expect this line to nosedive, or rather, I guess it's the other way around, spike, because the Celtics are a narrow favorite right now. That could jump quite a bit. Like, if we find out that everybody except Jalen Brown is coming, or uh, Jason Tatum is back, that number probably jumps to 5, 6, 7, 8, or 9. The number as it stands right now tells me that perhaps not everybody's coming back. So we'll keep an eye on that one. I have a lean to Orlando if Boston is getting their guys, is getting their group of dudes back. If they're not, I actually lean to Boston. I think the the remains, the scrap peepers in Boston are going to put forth a hell of an effort. Orlando hasn't played since Monday either, so this will be a fairly well-rested ball game. Dallas at Milwaukee, Bucks favored by 7. That one opened at 6 and has moved up ever so slowly. I think at 6 there was a little bit of value actually on the Bucks. They're uh by power rankings that puts them about 3 or 4 points ahead of Dallas. I have them at ever so slightly more than that. With the line move towards 7, I think this is a pretty good line. Maybe at 
ever so slightly into the Dallas side, but I really wouldn't be surprised if this one was like a two-possession game in the last minute. If the Mavs hit a couple of buckets, they cover. If the Bucks hit a couple of buckets, they cover. I don't think it'll be a last shot, though. I think it'll be one of those ones where it's like Bucks by five with 90 seconds left, and each team has that chance to either make it a game or open it up. And I think Milwaukee gets the bucket. They push it up. They lead by seven. Dallas misses. Maybe some fouling. They end up winning by like eight. But this is a really tight line. Ever so slightly to the Dallas side. By the way, I kind of like the over in that Boston-Orlando game. It's really low. Orlando's been playing slow and they don't have much offense. But I think these guys are all just going to be fired up to be back on a basketball court. And they're going to be going crazy. New York is in Cleveland. Knicks a two-point road favorite. I know the Cavs are terrible, and they're without Garland, Sexton, and Love. They, they were waiting on physicals for some guys. They might have Jared Allen for this ballgame. I don't know if that's been decided yet, but that could be fun to dump him in there and have a little bit of a good time. Uh, they're not getting any high-usage guys, so it won't be quite the disruptor that you know getting a superstar guard is on a new team. Knicks beat the Cavs in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. Knicks have been struggling a bit. Cleveland loving to play defense-first basketball. Slightly into the Cavs and slightly into the over because this number has dropped. I mean, it was at like 204, I think. It's at 196 now. That may have moved too far. Memphis at Minnesota. Uh, John Morant is questionable for this game, so keep a close watch on that. If he plays, I like the, the Timberwolves, actually. I think there's going to be a fair amount of rust. You're going to see some over-adjusting of the line. Right now, Minnesota's a one-point home favorite, and I'm wondering if that's with a jaw return already baked in. Minnesota is without Ricky Rubio and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Those two are in the safety protocols, and hopefully that's it. Chicago had their last one canceled. They now finally pick up their road trip again in Oklahoma City in a game that uh, really is, you know, who wakes up first. OKC's been sleepwalking a little bit, and I think that Lakers loss may have jogged them out of their funk. Chicago's just quietly been playing pretty well lately. I don't think I'd touch this game on a gambling standpoint. Nothing to do with this. Atlanta is in Utah. Jazz, after getting a game canceled, had a couple days off. They're back home. This has all the makings of a sleepwalk of a game for the Jazz. I think Atlanta, who got a little extra rest with their game in Phoenix getting canceled, they needed it a little bit more. You know, this is one of those things where Utah was playing really well. They didn't want a game canceled. They were rolling. Atlanta did finally get a win, but I think it was against a zombie team, if I'm not mistaken. But prior to that, Trey Young had been really struggling. His wrist was bugging him. Clint Capella is ramping into shape, but I'm sure a little extra rest wouldn't hurt there. They're just dinged up, man. So that extra day, I think, was a good thing for the Hawks. And I like Atlanta in that ballgame. New Orleans is in L.A. Lakers favored by 10. They're a buzzsaw right now, but 10 is a lot. Pell's team's going to compete down Lonzo, down maybe Bledsoe. Sounds like Zion is back, so whatever that COVID thing was, sounds like it may have been a false alarm. And the Clippers are in Sacramento to take on the defenseless... They are less defense. Um, I don't know, man. Luke Walton makes it very hard for me to get back on the Kings again. Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to go into more detail there, but I just, I don't know. The Clippers, Clippers have had some issues holding teams off. So seven points is a lot to lay on the road, but I don't think that I can, in good conscience, recommend diving into this ball game. Let's look at the weekend from a fantasy standpoint. We don't have lines for Saturday or Sunday yet, but what I want to do here is, again, there are eight games tonight, Friday night, which we can knock out 16 of the 30 teams. I want us to focus on exactly what we are now looking for when each of these teams plays their next ball game. This is how we will determine little decisions to make that could go a long way. If you're prepped for something in advance, you can act on it. For instance, right out of the chute, Orlando-Boston. We don't know who's playing on the Boston side, so that makes things a little bit tough. Still, like I said earlier, I'm adding Robert Williams. He was dropped in a lot of places because of these uh, health and safety things going on, but he's been he's been too good in his limited minutes to be on the waiver wire. But what on the Orlando side, their days off this week. They haven't played since Monday. I think this is going to be great 
for a visibly exhausted Cole Anthony. Right? This is, you know, he wasn't expecting this type of jump. Now, we don't know if he's going to be able to get three or four assists per game or can he clear 10 points per game the rest of the way. What's his shooting percentage going to look like? There are a lot of questions to be answered here. Rook, you didn't expect to be a starting point guard. But this time off is going to be huge for him, you know, getting his wind back, getting his conditioning where it needs to be, and it's going to be an up-and-down season. I think he's the kind of guy I would put on a half-time watch list. Like, if he has a really good first half tonight, I might grab him before that game is done. Dallas at Milwaukee, not a whole lot there. I mean, Dallas is still shorthanded, so again, you're, you're mostly just watching to see who's back and when they get back, if ever. Like, those guys have marooned in Denver for God knows how long. Milwaukee, Bobby Portis is your sort of semi-watchless guy. Knicks and Cavs, will the Cavs incorporate their new guys? How does that work? That's worth paying attention to. For the Knicks, still no Alec Burks. Reggie Bullock is back. I don't think that matters very much. You know, they're always sort of hoping Nerlens Noel can do a little bit more, but I think we're a little bit past that now, so not a ton on the Knicks side. Grizzlies, is John Morant back for this ball game? How does that impact? I mean, it likely turns Tyus Jones back into a, a non-factor. What about DeAnthony Melton? Can he stay afloat as they get their guys back? Minnesota, no Ricky Rubio, no Juancho Hernan Gomez. We've heard they've been now linked to some power forwards around the NBA. They feel like they need to shore up that part of their roster no Rubio what does that do to their ball movement is there is there any real backup distributor orchestrator on this team now that's tough Chicago we haven't heard anything about their guys that have been missing for almost two weeks are they coming back here I think about like 11 days or something it's been a while are they back for this ball game if not, is Otto Porter. It sounds like he's probable, so, you know, their time off there got his back right. The Thunder, Hamadou Diallo you're watching, Dort you're watching, Hill you're watching, Atlanta, no one in particular, really. Cam Reddish, maybe. How close is Gallo? His role seems like it may have gotten bigger with Bogdan going down. Utah, nah, nothing. Has Royce O'Neal's actually been okay lately. New Orleans, a couple guys down, so, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker coming off that career game. Feels like he's ripe for a huge letdown in this one. Lakers, not much. We talked about Gasol being kind of on a watch list. Clippers, Kings. Do we even need to keep Bagley on our paying attention to list? Does Lou Williams play? Does it matter? Patrick Beverly's been looking like the superior option, and they've been able to stagger Hill and Kawhi, they haven't really needed the Lou Williams minutes. There's a couple of things with the Clippers. Batum and Marcus Morris now splitting minutes a little bit. We'll see why that trends as the year goes on. With Sacramento, I don't know, man. They like they gotta figure out what they're doing with Marvin Bagley. Is this a guy that they want to be a centerpiece or not? They can't get their story straight. What a what an S show. Saturday. We knock out most of the rest of the teams, not all of them. Houston, will they have John Wall and Eric Gordon back? It's a rematch in San Antonio. I like the Spurs in the rematch there. Oh, look, line's starting to come out for Saturday. Only two, though. <laughs> it's not very helpful. That's not very helpful. We have the Magic Nets line. Nets favored by 14? Get out of here. I'll take the Magic, thank you very much. Fade me some... New look Brooklyn Nets until those guys figure out how to play with one another. Might look at the under. No, maybe not, because they're not going to know how to play defense with each other either. Charlotte is in Toronto. I mean, there's Brooklyn. Like, just watch that game. You want to see what Harden's going to do. You want to see Kyrie. You want to see... Sounds like Kyrie's back, by the way, for that game on Saturday. You want to see what KD's doing. DeAndre Jordan. Can Joe Harris survive this? My guess is maybe not. There's not going to be much left meat on that bone. Charlotte in Toronto, that's a that's a rematch set. Hornets and Raptors, Raptors were able to narrowly hang on a game they led most of the way through, and then the Hornets came roaring back. See no reason why this one wouldn't be competitive also. But Toronto, you know, Chris Boucher has been incredible, but I haven't talked about him very much because he's, you know, he's must-start, must-own, must-start guy and has been 
basically since like the third game of the year. But he deserves a shout-out, certainly on the pod, for what he's done lately. Probably a little bit of a sell-high. But honestly, I don't think he's been doing it long enough for you to adequately sell high. You won't get enough back, in my estimation. Like, he looks like a guaranteed top 50 at this point. Maybe better. Detroit, if Derrick Rose plays, you know, what does that mean for DeLon Wright? That's pretty much the only storyline I'm pursuing there. Miami, they're probably without their guys for one more game, so not really interested in what's happening there other than for streaming purposes. Philly, starting to get their bodies back. Not all the way, but getting there. Memphis, we already talked about them. Atlanta, talked about them already. And Portland with no Nurk. That'll be a very important game to watch. How much does Ennis Cantor get to play? How much does Rocco slide over? Does Harry Giles play enough to get onto deep league rosters? I would think maybe. And then Sunday, a couple of teams that didn't play over the weekend, I think. Yeah, Phoenix doesn't play at all. Their game on Saturday got canceled, so that's rolling all the way through. Anybody on Sunday? It looks like Washington might be back in action on Sunday, at which point, you know, is, is Westbrook healthy enough to go? That'd be pretty amazing if his whole week of quad injury got wiped out by team-wide COVID. I guess for Westbrook owners, that's small bonus. We're still paying attention to the Robin Lopez-Mo Wagner center situation. That's still a thing. We just haven't talked about it in forever because they haven't played in forever. Denver plays again on Sunday. They don't go uh, Friday or Saturday. Not again. I mean, Jermichael Green's sort of your, your quiet little watch list guy there. And then uh, Indiana, since I believe they had a game wiped out. Am I getting that right? Indiana's in L.A. to take on the Clippers. That should be a fun one. It'll be, I think you'll see both teams pretty well locked in for that ballgame. Fantasy-wise, do we get our Karis LeVert debut for the Pacers in that ballgame? If we do, I don't, you know, I don't think I change things all that much. They might bring him off the bench for his first game or two while kind of getting acclimated. That feels like a team that doesn't need to just shoehorn him in. They'll work him in progressively. That's the smart way to do it. That would be my guess. We'll see what happens, but if I'm guessing, I think they bring him off the bench for a couple games. Maybe... Maybe indefinitely. Maybe he's their bench scoring punch. That'd be useful because the Indiana bench is fine, but it's a lot of guys that generally need someone to help them get their shot. Doug McDermott kind of coming off of screens. Justin Holiday fades out for the corner three, stuff of that nature. Maybe this is the guy that builds up their bench a little bit. They, they leave Holiday or Sumner or someone like that in the starting lineup and bolster the reserves. Who knows? Who knows? We might at some point. And that's your weekend preview. Woof. Just under an hour. We did it, guys. We did it. Which, of course, means that I have a moment here at the end of the show to plead with all of you. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, if this has become part of your listening, even intermittently, please subscribe to the show on whatever service you're using for. Hitting that subscription button goes a long, long way for a couple of reasons. And look, I'll pull back the curtain. I'm not afraid to just tell you why we need you to do it. For one, in iTunes, the subscriptions actually change where a podcast gets ranked. Downloads do it. Subscriptions do it. And then from a download standpoint, if you're subscribed, that helps keep our numbers from bouncing all over the place. If somebody just forgets to listen for a couple of days, it still ends up getting downloaded. So it's big for us for you guys to hit that subscribe button. Helps move us up the charts. Helps keep the numbers nice and high. That's good for advertisers. And then, if you're really feeling saucy this weekend, drop a five-star review on the show. Also, it would mean the world to me. Want to keep adding to those because people see that. That's how folks decide on what show they should listen to when they're searching for Fantasy NBA or you know whatever has them landing on this podcast. I would presume that's largely what gets it done. So big, big thank you in advance for anybody that can do that for us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Please, again, five-star review and subscribe. Check out hoop-ball.com's premium stuff and come join us in the Discord channel. Get an account going over at mybookie.ag. And finally, for the last time this week, one last recruiting pitch. We are filling just a couple now. I think there's only one, maybe two spots left on our Blurb team. Those that monitor the newswire for shifts and put together our Blurbs, the things that go out from Hoopball Fantasy, the things that are on the Hoopball Newswire back at uh, hoop-ball.com. If you think you got what it takes, if you can write a little bit and you want to translate that into sports, this is your entry 
into the biz. Contributor-level spot, blurb writing. Can grow into articles, can grow into premium content from there. Hit me up on Twitter, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll get back at you Monday morning with the reverse chronological lightning round. We'll see what happened. Any of these guys ending up on or off of our rosters over these next two and a half days of action. Let's hope for some good news, huh? Let's get through a couple of days of NBA without somebody breaking something or half a team going out for COVID. I believe, I believe we can do it. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.